Today on the Province Crier Podcast, we got a big show. Um, first, we'll take a little recap of the PCNGIT uh, game over the weekend. Friars got the 29-point win. We actually did not see a second of the game, but uh, we'll still talk about it. Um, also, we'll take a deep dive into the 2019 Gavit Games, uh, Big East first Big Ten. And we'll finish the show with a couple of recurring segments. Um, we'll also talk about the James Wiseman situation in Memphis. So, all right, let's get it going. Let's eat. Man up in my city on the roof, yeah. David Duke when I'm way above the hoop, babe. The Providence College Friars. Top for the crossover. The reverse. Oh, the Big East. The rest of the college hoops world. Setting the screen. Dunn twisting his way in. This is the Providence Crier Podcast. With your host, a PC grad standing in at four feet tall. He is the Providence Crier himself, Mike Surratt. Wednesday, November 13th, well, at least it will be when you're listening to the pod. Uh, we're recording tonight on Tuesday. And guys, uh, it's finally happened. I have someone to guest host the, the show with me. Um, got my roommate, Brendan O'Rourke. You can call him Ozone. Uh, PC grad, class 2012 with myself and fellow season ticket holder. So Brendan, welcome to the show. Yes, yes. Thanks for having me, Cryer. I, it was a, it was a long trip out here, but uh, glad to be here, and, and go Friars. Yeah, that long trip from your bedroom to the living room. <laughs> yes, thank you for for making the, the trek over here. But um, yeah, we got a big show today. Uh, first, we're going to start with the Friar game, but before we even get to that, we have March in November today. The Evansville Aces with the monster upset tonight over number one Kentucky. Walter McCarty, Kentucky alum, head coach of Evansville, gets in there and gets a W. Amazing. It's, it's Amazing. Crazy. Yeah, no, I mean, literally just happened. Um, the one, I mean, and again, I mean, it was Michigan State until this week, and then now everyone's anointing Kentucky because of the game, the great game they had in uh, Maxie's play. And it's like, I was, we were just talking about this. The, Kentucky, the number one team in the country, is depending on a Butler transfer to be the focal point of their front court. And it looks like that was part of the reason they got – I think they just didn't shoot it well. We really just caught the end of it. But it's it's nuts. Yeah, I mean, you know, you brought up a good point um, when we were talking before we started recording here that, um, you know, none of these blue blood teams, in your opinion, and I agree with you, none of them – really scare the, the crap out of you. I mean, I, I don't see it. Yeah. Um, and that's been kind of the, for everything that I've 
read and just just sort of the eye test so far. It's like the blue blood teams, the four teams that were playing in uh, Madison Square Garden last week. No one's really standing out. I mean, it's early. It's November. But no one's really standing out as just this unstoppable force. Like, you know, some of the, the Duke team we saw last year, Kentucky's sort of prime a few years ago, uh, which is awesome, for, I guess, for teams teams like Providence in the Big East. That's right. I mean, it, it's crazy to think that we're like barely a week into this thing and already you have number one go down twice. So Michigan State, Kentucky – and Kansas all have one loss in their schedule. It's, I mean, it was bound to happen given the the first doubleheader that that happened to open up the season. But I mean, yeah, I think there's a lot of parity this year. I think, I think a big thing probably has to do with the recruiting class of last year. It wasn't, didn't have these star NBA pros like your RJ Barrett, like your Zion Williamson, and I think a lot of these blue blood schools depend on those guys. And I think, you know, this year, a lot of other teams are getting older, the smaller schools. Yeah. And it's going to make it for a very interesting season for sure. Yeah. And I mean, you look at, I mean, these are super early mock drafts, but all of the lotto picks, just the first thing that stands out is how spread out it is amongst what there's one at Georgia right now, a couple at Washington, um, Memphis. It's just, you don't see, you know, the typical four or five, the Kentuckys and Dukes loaded up front. And that's immediately apparent in the play of, you know, early on. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we'll, we'll get to this Friar game. Like I mentioned in the open, um, we didn't see a single second of this game. We're at a wedding. No, not the best thing to lead in with. No. <laughs> the Friar and yeah. fun, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, I saw, I saw the re- I saw the replay after the fact. But. Yeah. But, um, you know, Friars, they get the win 76-47 over NGIT, um, a team that's not supposed to be like a slouch. It's not supposed to be, you know, one of these bye games that, that you can, you know, not really prepare for and still come out with the victory. NGIT was supposed to be scrappy. And the Friars, I mean, I said it would be a stiffer test than their opening game against Sacred Heart. I guess I'm right. <laughs> They only they only won by twenty nine, right? Um, but you know, Friars cruising their first two games, a lot of positive things to see. Yeah, and and like you said, I mean, a lot of, I mean, you can you can you go deep in college basketball preview and college basketball nerds that are out there, and I think NJIT is supposed to be a player in the Atlantic Sun. I mean, me just saying that makes me feel question how what I'm doing week to week but uh yeah no they're, they're definitely not a team that's supposed to go you know like nine or eight and 25 or something like that um but more of the same and it's the second game in a row I think we held into like 30 percent shooting yeah um, um the defense has been ridiculous particularly with the guards um and this is all you know still waiting on Nate Watson to come back so super early I keep telling myself I'm not gonna get too excited uh, but it's it's been awesome so far. The ball's flying around. People are hitting shots. We had no point guards last year. We have two this year at least. Uh, it's great. Yeah, and, and one of the big standouts from the game, David Duke let all scores with 21. Um, Huge. Yeah, I mean. Huge. I See, I kind of hinted towards this. You know, obviously Duke didn't have 
a great year. He was fine for a freshman, but you could tell, you know, he wasn't comfortable. And from what I saw in the Pan Am games, like he was, he was a valuable player and Miles Powell, Seton Hall gave Duke a ton of credit and loved playing with him. Yeah. And, you know, you could tell he had an improved jumper. I think he just has a feel for the game better offensively. Um, you know, the way, like the space on the floor, moving around, finding space to, uh, for the step back jumpers that he was hitting. He was hitting three balls. Uh, it, very encouraging for David Duke in the second season. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, it's just nice to see him put up 13 shots. Like that wasn't happening. He was so tentative at times last year. Um, he's, I mean, he's a freshman and the defense was certainly there for most of last season, but yeah, seeing him hit shots with confidence, it, doesn't it seem like, and again, super early, but it seems like people are less hesitant to just put it up and we're getting good looks? Yeah, for sure. I, I, I don't know if that's – this is all Pipkin's effect or, or what, but it just seems like they're having fun playing. People are just shooting when they're open, and we weren't doing that too often – Every time I was at the dunk last year. Yeah, I mean, another thing, like going back to the Sacred Heart game, um, to your point about moving the ball and, you know, taking the open shots that you're given, they're also making, like, passing up an open shot for an even more open shot, which mm-hmm. is something that we just never saw last year. Um, and if you look at the box score, the Friars, if you include Duke in the, in their, the point guard position, are just guards in general. Um, between Duke... White and Pipkins, they put up 35 points. When We didn't get that at all last year no. from that, that position group. So, I mean, it, it's a very encouraging sign. And I think another key takeaway from the game is, you know, Pip can have an off-shooting night. Yeah, he's 1 of 10. And, he, did, he didn't and, hit a 3. Right. And the Friars are still able to rely on other guys to score, handle that load. And, you know, another victory, I mean – Again, Cooley said it offensively. It was sloppy. He thought the D was locked in. Um, and, you know, again, the Friars will kind of take that next step in, in competition on Wednesday night um, at Northwestern. But really got to be encouraged. Uh, I mean, I'm excited for the next game. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we have legitimately eight guys now um, that – Cooley can play in a lot of different unique ways, you know, whether we can go small and put, I think we've had times where it's, where it's Malik Duke Reeves or Malik Duke and, and Pipkins, um, or we can kind of get bigger up front and play. Nichols came back and looked solid. Um, looks like he took a little bit of a step. Still, Hopefully. still Hopefully. kind of looks like he doesn't know how long his limbs are, but I think there's something there. Yeah, for sure. I mean, hopefully, you know, and the best thing is we don't need to rely on Jimmy Nichols to having this no, breakout. It's just complimentary, it's complimentary right, exactly. things and who can kind of help out that particular night. Um, but more than anything, I think for anybody that was invested in the season last year, it's just two games of hoping for exactly what we were sort of missing last year. Right, for sure. Uh, we will get to the Providence-Northwestern game when we take our deep dive into the Gavit games. Um, they started last, or they started yesterday um, with uh, 
to Paul at Iowa, and uh, we'll, we'll get right. We'll, we'll take a deep dive. Brent's going to be here to break it all down, and um, let's get to it. We are back. Um, we took a little break to catch the end of the second half of um, Butler in Minnesota. Butler ends up getting a win for the Big East in the Gavit games. I have Brent O'Rourke, as we spoke with earlier. He's here breaking down every single game, and we'll start with – Still here, baby. Yeah, we'll, we'll start with, with the game on Monday, a game that, that you wanted to bet on. I did. Um it was a it was a weird game, and I think more than any sport, you do catch some of these spreads earlier, uh, where it's I think there's just so many co- there's so many things going on with college basketball that some things get lost in the shuffle. Maybe this maybe I'm just way off, but um, Iowa got I was get, was getting like ten points, laying ten. So they, so they were favored by ten points at home, obviously to kick it off against a DePaul team that's been in the cellar of the Big East, you know, I mean, as long as we can remember, right? But they've been getting some players in on the recruiting scene. They put together pretty good classes. It feels like they've gotten a couple top 100 guys over the last few years. And they got the mad fisherman, Charlie Moore, who, I mean, transferred, I think this is his third team, uh, but he was a top 100 guy that was, I was looking at this earlier, like recruited over Carson Edwards, uh, our boy Alpha Diallo. Uh, probably not the best look at ESPN, ESPN U Top 100 now, but I mean, he's he's a highly touted player that seems to have gotten it together. Uh, and you just look at the talent that's out there, and it just didn't seem to match that at all. And then Iowa's a weird team in that anybody who watched the tournament last year saw them almost knock off Tennessee. They got my boy Garza. Just the blue collar post guy uh, doesn't. I mean, he can't be your main player. Uh, and Bohannon, who is like, it's a weird thing right now where he was their sort of clutch guard who could hit shots, uh, who had I think hip surgery over the summer. So I think they're basically giving him ten games to like see if he can play this year. But he's showing up on the roster, so I think people just sort of see that name pop up, assume it's the tournament team from last year. Uh, Wieskamp's another guy that was back. It's like, it's just a typical Iowa team. But I mean, I, I ended up not betting on it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I mean, like, I, so I, like, I, I was guilty of the guy uh, who saw Bohannon still on the team. and was like, oh yeah. I, I had heard he gotten hurt um, in the off season, but yeah, the fact that he was in the box score, I was like, oh, he must, must've been fine. But um, he's playing off the bench right now. It's, it's just, it's like, he's so, getting the Emmett Holt treatment essentially. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like where, where we're seeing where he's at, whether or not they want a medical register of him or not. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I was looking at the game. I saw the 10 point spread as well. It, it didn't intrigue me. Um, you know, 
getting double digits. And, and, and like you said, DePaul is very improved. Uh, Paul Reed, one of the best big men, if not the best big man in the Big East. Um, you know, they, they added that, that freshman Weems, like you said, Charlie Romeo Weems, great yes. name. That's just yes. the name that's going to get you 15 and four, like <laughs> right out of the gates. Um, and I mean, maybe this had to do, had to do with it. Uh, Big Lidow was serving a suspension. Uh, I think he had a three or four gamer. I don't, I, I read into a little, I mean, I, I don't know enough about it to know. It sounded a little bogus, but he wasn't on the sidelines. Maybe that had to do with something, but I don't know. I mean, DePaul won some games in the Big East last year. They're not like the joke of a Big East team that they were before, which just adds to the fact that this conference schedule is going to be ridiculous. There's no, there's no buy games. No, no, no. Um, so yeah, so DePaul ends up kicking the shit out of Iowa, 93-78. Um, DePaul shoots the lights out, 61%, 55% from deep. Uh, they couldn't miss, 80% from the line. Um, you know, Charlie Moore, the guy that you had mentioned, the Mad Fisherman, for those of you who don't know, he's this N- Nesson Fisherman Yeah, it's pretty regional. Guy. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, his show is just so corny. He, like, catches some fish, and then he cooks some steak, and that, that's just every show. But uh, He's got, like, ridiculous hair gel. Yes, but he's been he's been on Nesson for like twenty years. Legend, like. legend, anyways. New England. But yeah, so Charlie Moore doesn't have a, a, a great game, but that's the thing. They got Charlie Moore as a transfer. They also got Jalen Coleman Lands, who was uh, once at Illinois. He had a great freshman year, kind of fell off transfers. And now he's at um, now he's at the pole. He has ends up having a monster game. Um, he finishes with seventeen. But, I mean, end of the day, it was the big boy, Paul Reed. 25 points, 12 boards. Just, you know, and I think you bring up a good point about Garza. Is He can't do it by himself. Last year, Garza had uh, Taylor Cook, um, who, who was big physical, big man that, that could help him. Um, yeah. Him I by mean, himself seems like Paul Reed just ate him a lot. Yeah, don't get me wrong. Like, I would die to have a guy like Garza on my team. Um, I mean, he's literally – stared down Schofield and Grant Williams, two of like my favorite college players last year and just bodied them for 40 minutes. But yeah, you, you can't have a guy like that. Just be your offensive go-to and without, without a Bohan. And I think w- the, the thought was Wieskamp, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, was going to be the go-to scorer. I, I, he hasn't proven it yet. I mean, it's two, two games so far, but they still have Fran, they have Fran's kid on the team too, right? They got they have two. They have two, they have two McCaffreys. <laughs> and if you remember, I think when the taller one, I think he's a freshman this year, who was a pretty good bit pretty big recruit, I think in eighth grade, this is way back, they interviewed him and and they asked if he had any offers, and he said he had two, one from his dad and one from Easy Ed Cooley. The <laughs> only guy that, that would offer a scholarship <laughs> to Fran McCaffrey's son. That's why he's our guy. For sure. All right. Well, so, um, yeah, so that, that was Monday's action. DePaul just destroys Iowa. It, it really makes you question how good is the Big Ten going to be? Uh, I mean, you know, obviously Michigan State's going to be Michigan State. Um, and then you have teams like Iowa State who are ranked. But I, I don't know. Like, Purdue is ranked, but. Yeah. Certainly their bottom isn't good. Like, let's let's – 
get that out of the way. No, definitely not. Oh, um, I'm forgetting Maryland. Okay, so, but I mean, I don't know. I, I could just see it being a, a down year. I think Maryland's could be really, really good. Yeah, um, for sure. I and I always forget that was the ultimate years. when they were in the top ten, and I sort of forgot about all the players they had. It was like, oh, like sure, sure, you know, like yeah. we're just gonna put Maryland at seven, and they're gonna stink. But they they're like the all when you see them come onto the court, you're like, holy shit. Yeah. You know, they have a, they have a bunch of NBA bodies. Jalen uh, Smith's a beast. Nawasa. Yeah. And uh, the little short point guard that gets buckets. Counts. Yeah. yeah. It counts. But yeah, so um, we'll move on to the games that occurred today as we're recording. Um, really interesting game going into it. I thought Creighton at Michigan. Um, yep. You know, Michigan is now in the Jawan Howard era. Obviously, Cooley passed him up in the offseason. Um, losing a coach like Beeline, though, I I got to think that, that hurts you. They return a, like a, a, a good solid core of their guys from last year. But, um, but I mean, I, I don't know how they will be going forward. They do end up getting the 79-69 win over Creighton. I thought early on they just weren't prepared for Creighton's, you know, high post screens and having Ballack just – pull up from three off those. Um, it, it seemed like they weren't very prepared for, for uh, Ray McDermott's offense. No, but they figured out they, they had a good crowd. And down the stretch, I mean, they got a couple big guys that are good players. And I think the one thing that sticks out when you look at Creighton is the three the three shooters, Alexander, Zagorowski, who I love. I think he's going to be awesome this year. Uh, and Ballack are great and they're going to score a lot of points, hit a lot of threes, but that, I mean, they're this, it's the crate. It's Creighton's problem. It seems like every year they, they, uh, there's nobody down low to defend much. I think they're kind of dependent on a transfer this year too. Some like Idaho, Idaho state guy. I don't really know what his story is. Um, but down the stretch, some of those big giant Michigan guys that they seem to have every year were just, bodying them up and, and they had no answer for it. Yeah, I mean clearly they they you know figured out their defensive problems in the first the first half they gave up 41 points to Creighton. Creighton actually led at the break 41-38. And then uh second half they, they put the clamps down and kind of figured them out. Um yeah I mean I agree that like when you rely on outside shooting and have no res- semblance of an inside game at all, you're just gonna get crushed. I mean there's no wonder why they only took two free throws in the game. <laughs> yeah, I mean they're that's pathetic. They're, they're, they they get their problem is that, and I could see a lot of games against teams like us, teams like Xavier Villanova, is they have no answer for that. They don't really get to the bucket much, and yeah. it's gonna burn them. Yeah, I mean, and Balik comes out of the gates firing. He hits. I think I saw a stat. He had like 11 points in the first seven minutes of the game and didn't score the rest of the game. So you can't have that. Um, But yeah, Michigan, I mean, like I said, I I am concerned, but I think they brought enough back where they're going to be, you know, definitely for sure a tournament team. Yeah. Um, In in, in there, in the mix per se, probably not top three in the Big Ten, but in that, you know, upper echelon of the middle of the conference. Um, I mean, yeah, Xavier Simpson, he's a stud. 
He looked good. Big fan. Um, liver, your your boy the... Livers. <laughs> yeah, what a name. Isaiah Livers. Livers. He's probably one of the better shooters in the Big Ten. At least he was last year, and now he's returning. Um, Teske, who was, who was a big that crushed us in, uh, at Mohegan last year. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, they bring back – like they're – they bring back four guys that 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 you're that are really good players, but I don't know if they have much depth. And I, I think losing Beeline's big because he just made them in, into a machine. But um, all right, so we'll move on. Uh, the game that we just finished watching, Minnesota at Butler. I really didn't know what to make of this game going into it. No, and then. To be honest, the game didn't live up to like. It, there's no wonder why I, I didn't think of anything because the game was a rock fight. It was a uh, pretty brutal watch. Yeah, I, mean, I think Minnesota's rebuilding. Um, they lost their two guys, Richie P. I think he's made the tournament two out of the last three years, and that I didn't really think of that when I thought of Minnesota basketball, but he's done a good job, but he lost his two guys. Uh, Coffee was really good last year. And Jordan Murphy, who was like a four-year player, glass eater, I think he destroyed us one year when we played Minnesota and lost. Um, So without those two guys, yeah, they're they're just a one-man show with Oturo, who is their center now, had a good game. But they they're they're playing a lot of freshmen and sophomores, and I wouldn't expect much from them this year. Yeah, I mean they, uh, they their guards, you know, last year they were a terrible three three point shooting team, and through their first two games, um, their guards Willis and Carr, um, there were two guys that didn't play a ton, but. They had two great good games in their first two games, and then today were just terrible. Mm-hmm. Carr was one of ten from the floor. Willis four of thirteen. That's just not going to get it done. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I think they're in a rebuild, but yet they still get players. Um, Patino just landed Jamal Mashburn's kid. Well, that would be pretty good. He's not a super highly rated recruit, but this is yeah. what Patino does. The Patino charm and um, rode the boat, I guess, but. I mean, the big story of the game, we're kind of burying it here, is is uh, Baldwin, who has been kind of gimpy up until this point, uh, sort of unexpectedly played a full game, lit it up, looked like the player that he's been. And, and I mean, he took 24 shots, which is kind of Kumar, Kumar Baldwin basketball. Uh, he sort of maybe thinks he's Marcus Howard a little too much. Yeah, <laughs> but, maybe. But he's, I mean, he's a good player. He's scored 27 on them tonight. Uh, the transfer, Nizi, who it was a hyped-up player coming into the season, this was the first time I had a chance of watching him. I, I get it. He's a super hardworking kind of rebounder, glue guy that is everything this team needed. And – I mean, just another another Butler team that has a lot of shooting and a lot and four or five players that can play. They're not too deep. No, like they're, they're trusting on about six or seven guys. Right, and uh, you know, for I'm glad we we recorded this after the Butler game because going into it, I was going to be like, what? Like, Kamar Bowen's averaging three points a game. Yeah, I knew he. They held him out of the Pan Am games, um, and and it wasn't like he. I mean, he played like a little bit, so. 
that's that that was pretty much the reason for that. But I mean, yeah, he blew up tonight, showing showing the world that he can be that that Big East dark horse for Player of the Year. Mm-hmm. Um, my, th- my my thing with Butler is though, I, outside of him, like, what other guards do they have that that can create their own shot? I mean, Aaron Thompson, to me, I, I'm I'm just not a fan. He's just one of those guys that's just a steady ball handler, which is great to have. But, like, I don't know, maybe off your bench. This guy plays a ton of minutes and doesn't score much at all. Just is good for a couple of assists. Right. So I mean, I love it for them being in the Big East. Put put a 6'2 guy out that can't shoot any day of the week (laughs) and let Dave Duke just eat his lunch for 30 minutes. Right. um, And then another thing is, like, Jordan Tucker – who transferred Duke, from Duke. Duke yeah. transfer, yeah. Yeah, I believe is a one-time McDonald's All-American. But, like, he transfers to Butler. He's eligible second half of the season last year, and he looked pretty good. And then, I mean, so far this year, he's coming off the bench, and it's just like, how? I don't know. It just blows it's my weird. mind. Yeah, he, I mean, he's supposed to be – I think the idea for why people like Butler this year is they have Tucker, who's a shooter, who's, you know, highly regarded player – coming out of high school. Um, McDermott's been light. I mean, he didn't play that good this game, but McDermott's a 6'6 shooter that can just drill threes. He was 77% from three through the first two games, like shooting a lot of threes. Yeah. Um, so you have those two guys on the wing. Nazee is just kind of the guy that's going to do the dirty work. And then you have Kamar Baldwin scoring 20 a night. That's a, pre- that's a pretty good recipe for a starting five. But, yeah, the Tucker thing's weird. And – I don't buy McDermott being, yeah, like like, like a yeah, like a third team all conference guy or something. Yeah. Like, I I just think they're a little too thin to make a crazy run this year. For sure, out of the gates. Um, and then you know my thing this year apparently with Butler this year they're making a vow that they're going to be way better defensively because I, I think in years past in the Beast their one problem is they've kind of been eaten alive. Uh, by other yeah. teams because they're soft. They, yeah, they're soft, not as physical. Was that wrestling duo? And so cast <laughs> soft. S A W F T. Yeah, and so, Devin Creighton. It's it's, and actually, that is the whole reason for this Big Ten Big East show, showdown because half of our conference isn't even in the East Coast anymore. Uh, potentially, a lot of these are like I mean, kind of backyard, or could be at least backyard right. rivalries. Butler Creighton. Marquette, DePaul. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, Wisconsin and Marquette play every year, but like that definitely has, has to do something with it. That's probably why the Big Ten agreed to it. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I, I think the Big East was trying to just get some sort of challenge tournament because it seemed like they were the only conference not to have one. Um, so, but yeah. So moving moving on tomorrow or Wednesday, today, I guess. You have the big triple header going on. Um, first, we'll start with a very intriguing matchup. Uh, Villanova Wildcats make the trip to Columbus, take on uh, a former former Butler coach, Chris Holtman, in Ohio State. So um, that, that game really intrigues me. I think Villanova, you know, they, they've only played one game so far. It was against Army. They blew them out. Um, obviously – They've had to keep reloading their team um, from all the recent success that they've had. But 
you know, at first I was like, oh, I don't think this Villanova team is going to be that good. Look at them now, man. They got a lot of players. Yeah. Jermaine Samuels, uh, yeah, it, it's... Sadiq Bey, Gillespie, who's, who's a useful guard. Um, I like Gillespie. I think he's I think he's an awesome player. I mean, he looked great in the Pan Am games. That was another guy that uh, he – I think he – one of the games he had like 27. Um, I, I, I heard – and I actually heard a Jay Wright – interview recently where I think he had a rough summer after that where he had a foot injury and then in practice um one of their big guys uh just like destroyed his face with an elbow so I don't think he's had I don't think he's been able to practice that much I I think he needs another one of those hugs from Ed Cooley like we saw uh, at the end of yeah Cooley loves him the Pan Am games but um but on top of that like they, they've added a really good freshman class. Um, you know, Robinson Earl was in Brian Antoine were the key cogs of that class, but they also got um, Justin Moore, I believe his name is. Yep. He's a kid from, um, I believe he played at, at DeMatha last year, and that kid's a shooter. Apparently he's lit it up against UNC in their close scrimmage. So you add him to the mix. Um Brian Antoine's battling the shoulder, but, you know, I think there's more positives coming out on his um, potential return to the court. Of course, you got Cole Swider, the the roadie guy who spurned us. Um, He'll be a shooter off the bench for them. Yep. Okay, so the the one thing that I think is interesting about Villanova this year, and and you hear all – you hear – Jay Wright coming into the season. I don't think he's just being modest about sort of, you know, we have a long ways to go to kind of get, get our team ready to rock. Um, Is that they lean so heavily on Booth, Pascal, who are both gone. And then really like four or five other guys beyond that. And typically that's not the case with them. They're, they're going to play like nine guys and work in, Gillespie or like Samuels. So like Swider didn't play. Uh, there was another freshman last year. I think was supposed to be a pretty good player. I don't even know who he is because he just rode the bench all year. Oh, you're saying they didn't play last year. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. So, so, so I think typically you see those guys just kind of naturally come in with experience. Right. And a lot of those guys were, you know, Duke and Reeves class. And these guys have a full season of sort of being battle tested in the big East and they're lacking that more than I can remember. I think this is the first time they're also, this is the first time they're starting two freshmen in like six or seven years. Yeah. Um, so it's not as experienced of a Nova team. I think we've seen since like pre Archie Diacono, Josh Hart days. Right. Which could be, which could be great. I yeah. still think they're going to be really good. Yeah. That, um, that guy, Robinson Earl is a monster. Yeah. <laughs> he might be a one and done. It, it's kind of crazy too. Cause like, if you look at like the history of Nova recently, Jay Wright has never really done well with the big time recruits. Um, you know, Javon Kennedy last year was a disaster. Uh, he ends up transferring. Yep. Member of the Jelly Fam. The, the fam isn't doing too well. No, the, the fam is Isaiah, doing terrible. Wait, where, where is – because Isaiah Washington was on Minnesota. I didn't right. see him tonight. So. He's, he's on Iona. Great. There you go. The Jelly Fam. I always pulling for Jelly Fam. 
Um, yeah, so, I mean. Making layups cool again. <laughs> so he was a disaster. Remember Corey Fisher? No. Like, he, he was a rotational guy. Like, Lou Guy played all four years. But he was, I think, Jay Wright's, like, highest rate recruit ever. I think he was a top five recruit. Yeah. And he never turned into anything good. He usually wins with the under-recruited guys. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what what, uh, what they end up doing this year. Yeah. But you look on the other side, Ohio State, Chris Holtman, this year too, last year he has surprisingly a very good season. Uh, I remember when Dockage picked him to be in the Final Four, and I thought he was such a hack idiot. And he just, <laughs> just said that because his stupid son was on the team. And turned out, I mean, obviously they didn't come close to making a Final Four, but they definitely had a great year last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it all starts and ends with uh, Caleb Wesson, who is just a load down low. He's ginormous. Just like, thick. Why isn't he in the Big East? Like, I mean, that's a Big East. It works for Big, Big Ten, I think, too. He's like, <laughs> I read that he cut, he lost twenty five pounds in the offseason down to two seventy on the year, but he's got like soft hands and can score a little bit. So he's the there. I think they're initiating their offense through their center. Um, Isn't he banged up a little bit though? I think his brother got hurt. Okay. Okay. Otherwise two lessons. Um, I actually, I watched the um, Ohio state Cincinnati game the other day. Ohio state ends up getting a win. Wesson was in foul trouble. So he really couldn't make an impact. You know, they're an interesting team. I don't – I mean, I, I think you're absolutely right. At the end of the day, they're going to go as far as Caleb Wesson can take them. Um, Kyle Young, who um, – I don't know if he was on on Butler with Holtman or committed to Butler with Holtman and just jumped ship with Holtman. Um, he's currently their leading scorer at, at 12 points a game. Um, you know, it seems like they mix it up. They have a lot of guys get into the game. Um, it's going to be an interesting matchup, but I think Nova on the road, you know, knowing their culture, they'll find a way to sneak that one out. I think. Yeah. I mean, OSU had a great class this year. I think they were like number 14. They had three top 50 guys, uh, that, that all get minutes. Um, Carton, Little and Gaffney, I think are the three. So you'll see them play. I mean, I, I, I watched the Cincinnati OSU game. And their offense still stinks. Yeah, it, I think. Yeah. I mean, they're they're just a big, tough team that gets rebounds and plays good defense. And if they're gonna win, it's probably gonna be winning ugly. Like they lost Keita Bates Diop two years ago and haven't really had like a guy to replace that since. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean it's it's at OSU and OSU's favored. Uh, really? By like a couple points. I might have to get it I, on that. I, yeah, I, I think, I mean, Jay Wright's had a week to prepare for it. There's still a lot there. There's three starters that are still in the mix there, and, and a couple of these freshmen look really good. So um, I would I would expect Noah to pull this one out. Yeah. All right, moving on to the next game. Pretty – I mean, you said it was it was your most intriguing, and I, I, I can't really argue with you. I mean, uh, Purdue versus Marquette. Yeah, the Purdue. Uh, clash of styles. Who, um, who we beat in the closed scrimmage? 
people don't forget. Right, and Purdue ends up falling to uh, Texas the other day and thus got the boot from the top 25. But um, Which is brutal. Right. They were up like five with four minutes left and then fumbled a couple balls in November. Like, they're good, I think. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Matt Painter's done an excellent job there, just constantly creating that culture of, of, of shooters. Uh, he's developed big men well. Like, Matt Painter's a really good coach. Yeah, um, uh, I think better than Woj, who he's playing. Right. Uh, <laughs> and, and, I mean, they still have Harms, who if you watched one minute of Purdue basketball last year, you'd recognize he's the 7'3 Dutch guy. Uh, this, that flips his hair. Right? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I guess the storyline, if you if you were writing a preview for this, is that you know Purdue loses Carson Edwards, who did everything for them in the tournament last year and was just a circus act, and now they're playing Marcus Howard, who's expecting to do that this year and kind of to carry the load offensively. I, I mean, I I think they're just sort of going to score across the board, just more of like a balanced team for Purdue. I don't really know much beyond them. Uh, they still have Wheeler. Proc- they, they had like all of these guys that I remember being role players that would hit shots that Carson Edwards would pass to them. Right. <laughs> like, like, so we'll see. But I mean, I think you got it. This is one of those, you just got to trust the coach and the preparation beforehand. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, the, the fact that the Hauser's brothers left, I mean, that's just like brutal for Marquette. I mean, you know, obviously they were projected to be like a top 10 team going into the year before they left. And now that they did left, now that they left, people put them in like uh, hovering around the top 25. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. I just, I don't see it. I, I don't know where they replaced that production from at all. I, I don't either. Uh, they, so they, it's, so it's Marcus Howard scoring what thirty eight points in the first game that he that he played with, and like an efficient thirty eight. It wasn't like he was just tossing up shots. Did you see Cartwright's uh, Cartwright tweeted like his shot attempts and was like, "No wonder why Hauser's left." Yeah, no, it's it's probably a red flag that to your second and third best player transfer because your 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 top player is not passing the, the ball enough. But well, it'll be fun to watch. Um, and I think Theo John is my favorite player on the Marquette Golden Eagles. <laughs> Eight blocks in his opener. He's going to have his hands full against a team like Purdue. Like, I think he's probably going to foul out. That's yeah, why I would I, lean them. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and I think, does Marquette have a transfer that is expected? As, uh, to- Jace Johnson, uh, the, the big guy from Utah. Right. That's the transfer. But, um, yeah, he's actually been out the last – the, the first uh, first couple games for Marquette due to injury, and he's not expected to play tomorrow. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just – to me, I, Marcus Howard, does he have the, the ability to carry a team um, based on his offense? Yes, for sure. But I just think on nights when he doesn't have his best game, who is going to step up next to him? I mean, Sakar Anim, he's a solid second player, but um, – I don't know. I I think ultimately this game will definitely come to coaching, like you said. And Purdue and Matt Painter, they got the edge in that for sure. Yeah. And if they lose here, first time Purdue is under 500 since 2012, 2013. Jeez. All hell is going to break loose. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm banking on the Purdue's. 
All right, so let's move on to the um, uh, to, to the big game. The how can I forget the, the biggest game of the Gavit games? PC at Northwestern. Um, Friars, I, I, I've said it about this game on the pod already. This game absolutely terrifies me. You have a team like Northwestern who isn't very good, who's in a rebuild um, under Coach Collins, and but it's early in the season. They're at home. I, I the, the game just terrifies me. Um, and then to make matters worse, they go out and lose to Merrimack College, a team that was in D2 like last year. And so, I mean, I, 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 don't know. I think that only adds fuel to fire. I think they'll be dialed in. And this game scares the shit out of me. Uh, on a, what do you think? It shouldn't. Northwestern's really bad. Uh, I'm nervous as well. I shouldn't be, but, and we've been talking about it. if we want to be a good team and we're getting like a little buzz over the weekend from, from, from writers about us. Oh, do they have a shot at winning the biggies? Blah, 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 blah. Uh, and I mean, they're the cry of prophecy. F4. F4. F4 this year is lofty. If we're going to be a final four team, we need to be able to go to Evanston, Illinois and beat a Northwestern team that is completely in rebuild mode. Uh, they have one solid player, Pete Nance, I think will be the guy to watch for the game t- uh, tomorrow. Um, but they start, they play three freshmen, two other redshirt freshmen. They have a senior on the team that is not a senior who has played four years of basketball at Northwestern. That is a lacrosse player. Lacrosse he, player? Yes. <laughs> he was a lacrosse player who won the Torton. It's a real story. His name is Pat Spencer. He got like he gets 30 minutes a night, who won the Torton, which is like the Heisman for lacrosse. Uh, and now he is the starting two guard for Northwestern. Huh. <laughs> so so it is you sort of worry about are they gonna fall asleep and blow this game? If if we say we're a good team, we should win this game by like 20 points. Yeah, I mean, obviously you look at our team, senior like we have a ton of veterans, um, Diallo, Holt, Pipkins. Like, those guys should not, you know, they, they should get everyone else ready for this one. Yeah. Um, Lil Pip in F, FU mode. Yeah. Uh, coming off a game where he didn't shoot the ball well. I don't, judging by early interviews, I don't think that's going to keep him from shooting in this, no. <laughs> in this game. Uh, no, I mean – I love what I've seen so far, and I think we just have too much. And I think guys like Diallo and Pipkins and Holt are going to just take it upon themselves to pull us out of any any rut or lull in scoring that, that we might fall into. Yeah, and of course you do get the little nugget here that Pip, Chicago native, so it'll be a little homecoming for him, playing in front of friends and family, I bet. So hopefully he has a nice bounce-back game for the Friars. I mean – I would have liked to have Nate Watson in this one. Obviously, he's not going to play. But you're right. At the end of the day, if we want to be the team that we think they can be, um, you know, you're you're a veteran-laden team. You should go into a, on the road to a bad Big Ten team and beat them. A Big Ten team that plays young players, like you said. Yeah. I mean, there should be no excuse. Yeah, I don't I mean to just lay into Northwestern. I think they're clearly rebuilding. Uh, starting a ton of young players, but yeah, this is a team. This is a team we got to beat. 
convincingly. Right. Um, but still, my, my fire senses are, are tingling. I, I, I'm still nervous about this one. That, 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 that's all I'm going to say. Um, but we'll move on. Um, the Gavit games end up wrapping up on Thursday um, with a doubleheader. First game is kind of a meh game, probably the biggest meh game of the, the Gavit games. Very meh. Uh, it's Penn State at Georgetown. Penn State, you know, not known for their 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 hoops teams, although no. they they have stolen a couple of recruits from the Friars. Uh, if you remember Tony Carr, really good guard that was ended up being a one and done. That that was a big mistake. But yeah. uh, but uh, and then we just lost uh, DJ Gordon, who was looking at us. He, he chose them recently. No, I mean if Penn State is on ESPN two. Incidentally, I'm probably going to change the channel if it's a basketball game. Um, <laughs> having said that, I don't think they, they, they've – I mean, two weak uh, non-conference games, but they won both those games handily. Uh, Lamar Stevens is their, is sort of their alpha Diallo. He's a senior. He's getting first or second team all-conference buzz. So they're, they're a real team. And – Going off of Georgetown's first two shaky games, I mean, a little. Would you be worried if you were a Georgetown fan? I definitely would be because if you want to think about it, they struggle against Mount St. Mary's in their opener and a pull away late. But um, you look at the, you know, the past of Georgetown, like recent history, talking four or five years here, they've struggled in non-conference against bad teams. So even though they're at home against a team like Penn State, who, you know, who I agree, Penn State is definitely no slouch. Let's not, like, bury Penn State. But um, they're definitely it's, – it's a team that Georgetown should beat. But given their track record, I'd definitely be nervous. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, going forward, I, I still like Georgetown a lot, um, you know. McClung and Akinjo are definitely one of the better backcourts in the country, in my opinion. Yeah. And then and then you, you like the big fella, right? Yurtsevin, big <laughs> Turk, seven-footer, transfer from NC State. He was like a huge grab two years ago. So yeah, he sat he out a year. Yep. Um, but he's been awesome. Blocking shots, getting buckets. I think he's inside out. It could be me. Nah, I don't think he is. Maybe he's just a bruiser. Um, but, yeah, those three guys are – Real quality players. They've had some good recruits, I think. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's. I mean, I think the Georgetown blogs are are buzzing about this team this year, as they should be. There's a lot to like, but you got to be a little nervous with with how the first two games have gone. I think we've been there. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, and that's why I I think Penn State. I think Penn State might actually trip them up at home um, at Georgetown there. But so yeah, that, that was that, that was the meh game of the of the whole Gavit games. But we'll finish with the big doozy, the marquee game, a game that is going to go down as one of the best games, best non-conference games of the college basketball season. And then everything gets ruined. Miles Powell is out for the game against Michigan State. That that's just that's brutal. I, I don't know what else to say. Lame. Yeah, it sucks. Uh... Would have been my two favorite point guards to watch in college hoops this year, facing off against each other. Cassius Winston, Miles Powell, who we've been talking about the Pan Am games probably too much for people to like. 
But it was a cool thing to see because you're watching college players play against grown men, and he was the best player on the court. Able to score it well. It was just and could, yeah, was just blowing by guys. I mean, he was – it's funny. When when your, your perception changes when you start rooting for guys that are on opposing teams, and he was just the best guy to have on your team when, yeah. when, when he's on the team that you're pulling for. Uh, Alpha Diallo scored him now. People don't forget. <laughs> no, but Mosbaugh is insanely good. Uh, it sucks that he rolled his ankle and will be out of this one. But um, I think – I still think, you know, this is a huge game. The fans in New York will still turn out to it. Um, but I, I don't think Seton Hall is going to pull this one out. But, but you say fear not, Pirate fans. I think there's a chance. Because we we're, we talked about Marquette, we talked about uh, Butler, two teams that depend heavily on some guards that are going to score like 25 a night. Right. And if those guys go down, both those teams are screwed. And the reason Hall's getting Final Four buzz and, and top 10 – are they top – they're 12 yeah, currently. Um, but the reason they're getting major buzz this year is because the supporting cast is awesome. I mean – they got four or five guys that are really good players that could step up and, and give them, I think, give Michigan a game, um, particularly at home with probably an awesome crowd. And uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think they're dead yet. I'm curious what the – I don't think the line's posted yet. I'm curious what it's going to be. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I don't think it'll be like eight, nine, ten points. It'll probably be five or so. Yeah, we'll see. I mean um... – Obviously, Powell being out is brutal, you know. But you are right that they have Quincy McKnight, Jared Roden, Stud. Uh, yeah, they, they, and then Miles Kale, who oddly enough is only averaging three three and a half points a game yeah. on eighteen minutes. So the, I'm not the, sure what that's about. But. The other other Miles, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Gill's good. Mamouk Kalashvili is a good player. He's yeah, stepped up when Powell went down and got a bunch of big buckets for them. He hits threes. He's Tall guy, uh, I don't so, know. Yeah, I mean, they, they could potentially couple, couple that with Miss State, the preseason number one, underwhelming a bit early on, and I think they have a chance. You mentioned Obiagu, oh. the massive guy from Florida State, <laughs> who I called Ike. <laughs> no, that's his first name. No, it's EK. I think. Oh, it's EK. It's calling him Ike Obiago. Yeah, seven two two sixty five. Where did he transfer from? Florida State. Yeah. Oh, of course. Typical. Yeah. Just Florida State just, just breeds gigantic men. Yeah, ginormous players. But um, but yeah, I mean, it's a real shame that that pal is going to be down. But I'll, I'll still give that one a watch for sure. But um, yeah, at the end of the day, probably. Too much Winston, too much, too much, uh, too much Izzo, yeah. Tailman. I mean, when you get to the, there's the thing with Miss State is they're, they're, they're missing Langford, right? Right. And when that guy goes down, they just plug in the next top 50, top 75 recruit that's just sitting on the bench. Uh, and it seems like they have, you know, eight or nine of those at their disposal. So they'll, they'll probably win, but yeah. I don't know. I wouldn't count Seton Hall out just yet. All right. Well, uh, we're going to get a quick word from our sponsors before I do that. Brendan, it was great to have you on. 
Thank you. Thank you. Um, you you going to be back, hopefully, at some point? I mean, when it, whenever you need me, man. Uh, I mean, the Crier Podcast, doing the Lord's work over here. Trying uh, And, yeah, at the end of the day, I think the point of this is to – it's just total fans' perspective <laughs> of sports that we're not experts on. But we, we, we're passionate about it, and we pay attention. Uh, so this was a lot of fun. All right. Thanks, buddy. Welcome back to the Province Crier Podcast. Going to wrap up the show today with um, two of our recurring segments I introduced last week. We'll, we'll have What Were They Smoking and um, Fireball, my favorite fryer. So we'll start with What they what Were They Smoking. Last week, um, I took a look at Nebraska ball and how they lost a shocking game against some scrub team I've never even heard of. Um, and we were kind of looking at scoreboards and early brutal losses. And then, of course, tonight, the biggest upset of them all, uh, Kentucky gets upset at home, number one Kentucky against Evansville. Uh, Cal and his kids go down. Um, but this week we're, we're going to do something a little different. So for what were they smoking, I'm going to go with two head coaches, both of whom happen to be in the American Conference. And we'll start with the biggest story of college basketball this week, probably. Um, and that would be the James Wiseman saga. So James Wiseman, number one recruit in the country. He commits to Penny Harway and the Memphis Tigers. Um, and, you know, early in the preseason, he was banged up. He wasn't playing in preseason games. Well, Apparently, we may know why, because apparently James Wiseman took a loan uh, that he wasn't supposed to from Penny back when he was in AAU, and so now there's there's all this NCA eligibility issues with him, and then, of course, on, on top of that, we have the whole paying players, which down the road will probably become a thing, but at this time, there there is no such rules within the NCA, and so clearly... This is a violation, and um, Wiseman would have been deemed in, uh, ineligible to play. However, they went to the courts similar similar to what, when Tom Brady was dealing with the Flakegate. They, they went to the courts and got a court order um, where he where he can't be suspended by the NCAA for now, as the court looks into the situation. Um, but the NCAA gave gave Memphis in their athletic department a fair warning that, you know, play at your own risk here. So, you know, if you play him and it was deemed that he was shouldn't have been eligible the whole time, they're going to face some stiff penalties. So Memphis has a game the day that the story breaks against UIC. And Hardaway just decides to play Wiseman which I just entirely don't get. Like, are you really not that confident in your team against UIC that, that, that you can't beat them without James Wiseman? I mean, I know he's your best player, but it's UIC we're talking about. I, I think Memphis can handle the Flames um, on their own, with or without Wiseman. Um, so I just found that so silly of Penny to, to, to risk that because, you know, 
against a team that you can easily beat. You might as well just let them sit out, see what, what happens going forward. And then, I mean, obviously, you know, they have that big game against Oregon, which actually happened. Um, Oregon ends up beating Memphis at the Moda Center tonight by, by 10 or so. But, uh, you know, if it's that game, then maybe, okay, maybe we want, want to roll the dice. But UIC, I just I just did not get that at all. Um, you know, and I would probably would have sat in for the Oregon game if it were me, to be honest with you, because, you know, if you're playing an eligible player, you might not be able to make the tournament at all. So um, could be a disastrous situation there with Memphis. I just don't understand why Penny Hardaway felt the need to play James Wiseman against UIC. But we'll switch over to our other coach in the American. I had a rant about him in the very first episode, Danny Hurley. And I wasn't planning on talking about him, but then he came up. Uh, in the Twitter sphere again, UConn, they have their game against Sacred Heart, a team that PC absolutely blew out of the water. And UConn had a, had a rough first half. And at halftime, Danny Hurley was asked about it. And he essentially said um, he thinks his players looked at the PC score and thought they can just waltz right in and, and blow Sacred Heart out. And then he goes on to say that, you know, UConn is nowhere near uh, the level that PC is at right now, which stemming off the heels of that whole back and forth between Cooley and UConn's move back to the Big East and how Cooley thought, you know, it, it was a dumb move for them to invest in their football program. And then he fires back saying he wasn't annoyed, but he pretty much was annoyed um, coming off the stems of that that whole incident, to to at halftime of a game live on air, to just admit that PC is a much better program than you guys are. Oh, oh my God! Like, what what more ammo do you want want to give me as a Friar fan, Danny? Like, what are you doing? Uh, I, I thought that was hilarious that that made its way went around the Twitter sphere um, the other day. So. That's all we got for, for what, what were they smoking? Moving on, my favorite fryer, um, fryer ball, as I like to call it. Um, I, I got to get some good music. Or, and like I said, last episode, maybe get some nips to, to chug for my favorite fryer because fryer ball game I, I was telling you about that, that we played in college where pass a handle of fireball around and we name our favorite fryer for that day. So um, for this week's episode, we're going to go with PC sophomore guard David Duke. I mentioned in the opening, he was a big bright spot in PC's win over NGIT, um, NJIT, pardon me, over the weekend on Saturday. Had game-high 21 points. I believe it was a career-high, too. Um, you know, like I was saying, I, I really – Duke – Came in the PC with a lot of expectations. Um, you know, a lot of people want to instantly compare him to Chris Dunn, whether or not that's fair or not. Um, and, you know, he didn't have a great freshman year. He definitely contributed. You know, he got a lot of minutes, he got a lot of experience. But he just didn't really look comfortable on the offensive side of, uh, of, of the court. And 
over the summer, he definitely has worked really hard on his game. He's worked on his jumper, and, and we got to see him showcase that at the Pan Am Games a little bit. And it's great to see him really go off in the second game of the season. He just looks so comfortable offensively, finding his spots on the floor where he can create space, um, hit, hit jumpers, and then he's got the athletic ability to, to always be in attack mode. So um, if he can continue to develop his offensive game, it's only going to do wonders for the Friars this year. So David Duke, that is my favorite Friar of the week. Hopefully he has a good game, um, you know, an encore performance against Northwestern on Wednesday. But that's it for the show. Um, everybody have a good night and go Friars. Man up in my city, I'm the truth, yeah David Duke when I'm way up by the hoop, babe Cross over, I might go to L.E.U. Heard they sleeping on me, well, let's take them back to school PC, you know we on go, ayy Feel like A.J. Reeves when I'm off that pick and roll, ayy Fall down, bounce back like Emmy Ho, ayy I'm the alpha dog, Diallo They were sleeping on me, that's what made me a savage so we gon' let them have it, yeah They don't want no static, we at the top just like the attic yeah, the This year we taking over March Madness Man up in my city, I'm the truth, yeah David Duke when I'm way above the hoop, babe Cross over, I might throw the alley But they sleeping on me while well, I take them back to school Man up in my city, I'm the truth, yeah